Luke 19, 28 to 40. Luke 19, 28 to 40. The triumphant entry. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olive, Olivet, he said to of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you. In front of you, where on entering you will find a court tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, where are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he said he had told them. And as they were untying the cord, its, its owner said, to them, where are you untie the court? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and threw wind their clothes and on the court. They set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their clothes and the, on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty work that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And the same of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. 40. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. He said, he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stone would cry out. Amen. Hallelujah. Today, we are privileged to have in our midst our brother, the campus pastor, in the name of Reverend, somebody say, Pastor Reverend, Kingsley Kwesi, to minister the word of God to us this morning. I bring you greetings from our senior pastor, Reverend Dr. Fred Debe who will soon join us. You'll go to see him very soon by the grace of God. And I just want to thank all of you this week. It's last week was amazing with a fasted and prayer. Friday, Friday, how many of you were able to make it a Friday? How, how was the healing streams, Uncle Max? How, how was your healing streams? Hallelujah. So if you see envelopes here, it's a result of Friday all night. We had a directive. Those of you took the envelope, you can bring it to the altar. 
Our deacons will help us organize it after. If you have yours, please feel free and just walk and then bring it here. It's an honor to the Lord. It's a connecting with your faith if you have your envelopes with you. Those of you who missed it, you can still connect and plug because I remember I prayed for, remember we prayed for those who couldn't come. Yes, that every blessing we were receiving, God should let it reach your house, reach your office. So if even you couldn't come, you can still participate in the blessing. Hello, take any of that. It's church envelopes. Okay, it's just an act of faith we are doing. And it's from Ezekiel 47, verse 1 to 10. There was a stream that was flowing from the temple. And wherever it goes, there was life. Amen? Wherever this, even to the Dead Sea, which all of us know the Dead Sea cannot have life. Bible says this water reached the Dead Sea and there was life. So this is about life. This is about covering. This is about what God has already done. So carry any envelope and just come and then put that seed. It's a seed you and God. We don't, it could be 10 cities, it could be 1,000 cities, it could be one Ghana city. It's just about plugging into what God is doing. It's an act of faith. Amen. So God bless you all for, for doing that with us. Hallelujah. I want to acknowledge Deacon, Deacon Frank all the way from Asuka Baptist and Dr. Rosemary, coffee, please, coffee. Let's celebrate them all the way from Asuka Baptist. Thank you for being here with us. Their daughter fellowships here. Uh, she moved their membership last year from Asuka to join us because she works. Annabelle, thank you for letting parents come today. Thank you so much. Uh, I have a few uh, emphasis before I preach. This Friday, please. See, this week is a Passion Week. Those of you who have asked, what is Passion Week? That was the last week Jesus had before going to the cross. So Passover is in it. We'll have a Monday, Thursday prayer. It's going to be time with Gethsemane. You know how Jesus prayed at Gethsemane? He said, couldn't you wait for me for an hour? It's just an hour prayer, six to seven. If you can join us to pray. Some of you, Thursday, you have half day work. Some of you will close by six. Join us for an hour prayer. Friday is worship and testimony. Friday is an official last night we are fasting and praying together. By Saturday, you have your own uh, time with the Lord or join the Magdalene for the prayer meeting the women are having. The youth are going to Green Shield International School to help plant a church in Committee 25. So, so Thursday, uh, we meet here in the evening. Friday, we have a joint service in the morning. It's 8 to 10, joint service. Two-hour joint service. You go home to rest and pray. And then 6 o'clock, we come to finish our fasting and prayer. Hallelujah. Saturday, you're on your own or you join the Magdalene. And Sunday, we'll come in our white for resurrection. Invite our friends and our bosses. So uh, we have special invitation for you, free of charge. Invite anyone, especially those who don't go to church. In your office, in your home, in your neighborhood. Maybe an old student group. We have electronic and hard copy. The ushers have them. And so they will make them available during announcement time. You can just, you know, if you raise, they will, they will get it to you for free. So you can invite one or two of your friends to join us on Sunday. Sunday is not a joint service. It will be a regular morning service like this, a resurrection. And you can come with something with white. I think some of you are already in your resurrection dress. You can repeat it on Sunday. Nobody will know. All of us will try and wear something white. Oh, Mama Joanna, you can bring more white. Amen. Today, I have a privilege to preach in a few minutes. As Pastor Visor will help me to work on my 25 minutes uh, to 30. So uh, let's go. Uh, I want to share a word of prayer quickly and then we'll go. Father, as we come to your presence, we want to hear from you. Not a young man, not a pastor, not even a prophet. Speak to our heart. So I submit myself to you. I, I go low so Christ will be exalted in our heart and in his word. 
Father, may your word come in power and in simplicity that it would bless every soul that he has now and even in the future. We thank you for this privilege of sharing your word. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've heard of Palm Sunday sermons. I've taught a couple of times on even the excellence of the palm. Talked about Hosanna. Today I'm talking about getting ready for the king. Getting ready for the king. And like I always do. So those of you said I preached well last week, please, a disclaimer. It was not me. The truth is that everything was from Reverend Dr. Fred Debbie. It's a senior pastor sermon. He started a series and he gave me the notes to finish. So please, let's put that thing so that you don't feel like I came to do anything. It was, if you realize, I went through all. Every slide that I used was from the senior pastor. That's why I said the mistakes were from me. But if there was anything good, it was because of how Papa has designed the whole preaching to go. So let's put that on record. Amen? So God bless you. Get ready for the king. The theme for the year, if you are a Vesta, is unshakable faith from Psalm 125, 1 to 2. So unshakable faith. This is the second quarter. It just started from last Sunday. So this month, May, June, we'll be looking at spreading the faith or spreading our faith. It's about missions, it's about evangelism, it's about outreach, it's about going to Nalarugu, oh, sorry, Boko this year. It's about going to Greenshield Community School and planting a church there. It's about strengthening church in OUB and other locations. So that's what we are doing for this quarter. And today my focus is about get ready for the king. Get ready for the king. So uh, if, if you don't know, this is how I preach. Very simple. If it's boring to you, forgive me. I, this is, I'm going to a proposition on the topic. What does it mean to get ready for the king? Why should we get ready for the king? I call that purpose. And how do we get ready for the king? And what is the outcome when we are ready for the king? I call that the product. What comes out of it? And what kind of response can you have today? The mission and the vision. Oh, thank you for opening it up for me, Joe. So this is the mission. Can we all say it together? Just those in red, the red one. To exalt God in worship. Can we read it together? Grow towards Christian maturity. This is why Calvary Baptist Church exists. And I like to go over every time. So that anytime you are leaving your home from Frafraha, from Tema, from anywhere you are coming from, Spintes, you will know that when we gather, we are exalting God in worship. When we meet in small groups, like Bible study or in auxiliary, we are growing towards Christian maturity for fellowship and discipleship. And then we reach out to the world by serving. When you go to your workplace and you are serving, like Uncle Nana, when you are selling chocolate, we are serving our community. It's a part of reaching out. And we are always international. When you sit in the bank and you are doing those services for people is part of how we reach out your smile your good attitude it's part of being on mission for Christ this is what this church is about and also by reaching out by planting churches and inviting people to church that like we're going to do coming Sunday that is our contribution can we read the vision big together a vibrant congregation impacting the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is where we are going as a church, a vibrant congregation. And so the spaces in between it has, gives us opportunity to stay vibrant, to bring people and to help out impact our world, the vision of our church. Can we roll fast? 
Today, I wanted to reflect on three things from the passage we read in Luke 19, 28 to 40. It can also be found in Matthew chapter 21. And I think other gospels carried it. So how ready are you for the king? Jesus has already entered Jerusalem. We are reflecting on what happened 2,000 years ago. But I want you to know, if Jesus comes this year, will you be ready? If Jesus comes tonight, I think we don't hear these days a lot about teaching about the end times. But almost everything is pointing that we are very close to the time. I wish I knew to tell you that it was this year. No, I don't. But I just want you to think, if Jesus came tomorrow, the Monday, the 11th of this month, will you be ready? How will you respond from this passage? There were four main characters, and I'm going to explore them. Disciples. Last week, I talked about the neighbors, the followers, and the disciples. Today, disciple has found itself in our contest again. Those two disciples Jesus sent ahead to look for the coat. So we'll talk about the coat, and we'll talk about the crowd. And we'll talk about the Pharisees. And sometimes in church, you can be a Pharisee. We'll find that quickly. So let me introduce you to the story. And, and many of these are not my original thoughts. Some were from commentary. And some also I read from a couple of professors that I studied with. Where do we see ourselves in this story? Today, just think about it. I told there were two disciples. There was a quote they brought. And then also there were the crowd who were singing and shouting and holding the palm branch and shouting, Hallelujah, Hosanna, blessed is the one that comes in the name of the Lord. And there were the Pharisees who told Jesus, please tell them to shout. What you are doing, you're going to let the empire hears that we are causing a revolution of a new king and you will put us into trouble. Where we are is not a place convenient to do the things you are doing. Where we are is not easy. You are living as a tenant in the house. And imagine that a man marries a woman to the house and the woman is praying. said, this landlord says, yeah. How quickly does our discipleship, sorry, how quickly does our faith falter when God does not deliver what we expected? See, the crowd is an interesting thing to that world us to explore. No, no, you've heard the saying that the same crowd that shouted Hosanna were those who also said, crucify him. Yeah, it's, it's true. Because they had expectation that once he enter, somehow salvation, deliverance, restoration of the kingdom of Israel will come. The Roman Empire will seize. All the taxes they were imposing on them that were inconvenient will go away fast. So when they watched on what happened on Palm Sunday, as he triumphantly entered Jerusalem, and by Thursday, there was nothing changing. I said, Jesus, what did I? Like the way sometimes we feel politicians have deceived us. That's how the crowd felt. Because they, were, they said, save us now. That's the meaning of Hosanna. It was not save us in the future. It was not save us when one day you come in your kingdom. They were looking for immediate satisfaction, deliverance. And sometimes that's how we are in our faith. And today that's how I wanted to examine yourself in this passage. How quickly does your faith falter when God doesn't answer your 22 days of prayer already? Some of you have entered to your 23rd day of prayer and fasting. And you feel like there were some things I talked to God. I thought by now the answer will come. If you are not careful, 
you will stop saying Hosanna and you say, forget about this fasting. It's not working. But today I'm asking, how quickly does our discipleship fade when we realize that a great cost and risk of following Jesus? Today it's not even easy to tell people that when you follow Christ, you pay a price. So many of us as pastors, we don't teach about the cost of following Jesus. That sometimes you'll be unpopular. That sometimes in your workplace, they will do the deals and they will involve you because they know you can't stand bright. And so you lose out on all the things. When they are going for special retreat and they are carrying their laptops, they know you can't carry a laptop, so they will not let you go. And it's like, what is happening? It's, it's, it's a price we pay for what we believe in. And today we want to remind ourselves, how often do you, do our self-serving instincts lead us to deny Jesus and his claim on our lives? So Luke's passion story records a variety of human responses to Jesus. From faith and jubilant praise to mockery, hostility, and violence. So you'll be surprised why on the Thursday, when the trials began, uh, even to the Friday early morning, let's say Friday early morning, when it was seized from Gethsemane and was, and the crowd was following and they said, we want Barabbas. We don't want this Jesus. Because they did not understand the time of his visitation. And many of us are in church, we don't understand why we come to church. And we know people who are not coming to church now because they feel disappointed in God. It's not about the pastor. Some are disappointed with the pastor, with me. Some are disappointed with Dickens, maybe how they handle senior pastor selection and how their name came. They hadn't paid. There are many people who get disappointed about things and they stop coming to church. There are people who get offended. These people were offended of Jesus. By Thursday, they were offended that he has not brought them the deliverance they shouted for on Sunday. Yet through this story of vacillating human responses, of human blindness, weaknesses, and hardness of heart, one thing remains constant. God will still show mercy to save. Hello? God will do what? Will show mercy to save. So it was the same Jesus who would be on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. He said, don't even cry for me. You daughters of Jerusalem, cry for yourself. Cry for yourself. God will show me. So what am I proposing this morning? I'm proposing that Jesus is the king. And are you ready for him? What, what, what do you know what the king needs? It's part of my proposition this morning. Today and now in your life, in your ministry, in what you do at the office, morning to even Monday to Friday, some of you, Monday to Saturday, what, what does Jesus need from you? Today, I will ask, what is your coat? For Palm Sunday, Jesus needed a coat, not a horse, to fulfill a scripture in Zachariah. But today, I'm asking you, what is the prophetic need God wants you to fulfill? Some of you, by God's grace, have skills and promoted into high offices. Some of you have started companies. And I'm sorry to say all you think about is the profit. Please, profit is important. But why a Christian owns a business is more than a profit. Some of us think about marriage and all we think is our comfort and pleasure. But we forget that God's original purpose for marriage is to look like Christ. Yes, the children will come. Yes, the other things will come to have better rewards. So think about it. What is your coat today? Today, Jesus might not need a coat to sit on the right Jerusalem. He's already done it. But I'm asking you a question this morning. You, 
What's your code? What, what does Jesus need from you? Can you untie a friend? The friends you chat with, the friends you, you engage with, the, the colleague at the office, can you untie him? You know people who are in deep troubles and accept with your fasting and prayer, they won't because they themselves will not understand why you pray. But you ought to pray for them, to untie them. Your neighbor, no, they are neighbors who are close to us. And every day we pass and we hear the stories and, and the noise. And sometimes they share their burden with us. It's not because they know us as counselors. But somehow they feel they need to share a burden with a friend. But for you, you can stand in the gap with that neighbor. Our 31 days of fasting cannot just be about us. It's about our friends. It's about our neighbors. It's about working colleagues. Sometimes people say, why do we fast 31? Because there are so many needs around us to pray. It's about mission to Bokong. Can you imagine you took one day and your fasting was all about all the souls in Bokong praying for Reverend Dr. Doraboti and the team and said, we are praying that miracles will happen when they leave next week. Things will do. That is what you do. Do you know, sometimes we think that when we pray for our needs is where all our needs are met. I'm sorry. Real intercession is not about us. What do you think Jesus says at the right hand of the Father to pray for himself? He's interceding for us. Some days we have become, it's a selfish generation. It's a self-centered generation. So you say, Pastor, why do we need to pray for an hour? It's because there are a lot of needs around us. I'm not talking about your need. For your need, you need five minutes. Some of you even have said you don't have needs. But the pastor has needs. Anytime you don't feel like a need, please pray for me. I need prayer for my marriage. I need prayer for my finances. I need prayer for missions. Hello? I need prayer. The church needs prayer. Calvary Baptist Church needs prayer. The deacons need prayer to make the right decision for us. There's so many. Look, this country needs prayer. Except you are not living in Ghana. You saw how Vice President was sweating that day when he did it. You saw. Oh no, 2016, he wasn't sweating like that. Pray for the Vice President. Because sometimes when the fundamentals are weak, the exchange rate will expose you. Just quoting some of his words. And when you are being exposed, it's not easy. It comes with a lot of sweat. Pray for them. I'm not being political here. We need to pray for our leaders so that it will be well with us. Can you untie a follower and bring him to Jesus? Bring him to Jesus. There are people who might not come to this church, but wherever they go, they can find Jesus if you can preach to them. That's my proposition for you this morning. What, that is part of getting ready. What it means to get ready for the king is to know what the king needs. He's a different kind of king. I'm talking about why we must get ready for the king. He is not Sebio, Metosebi, Penifuawaha. Our king is not like Asantehine. Our king is not like Gamanche. No. Our king is not a king of England or king of, of Swaziland. He's not. This is a different kind of king. He's eternal king. He never dies. Even if he dies, he's able to pick up his life again. He has come to save his people, but not with a sword. He's not a king like Putin who has to fight Ukraine and kill people to take over. No, this king doesn't fight and kill people to take over. That's why he was surprised he was sitting on a coat. He's come to save us. This king has come for our interest. He's come to restore all that was lost, but not as expected of the crowd. The crowd thought that save us now meant an immediate deliverance from the Roman Empire. But Jesus was looking far beyond the crowd. He was thinking about you and me. There was a song about crucified. Can you pick up that just for 30 seconds? To die. 
Rejected and the Lord like Rosa trampled on the ground. Thank you, Jesus. You stood the fall and thought of me and thought of me. Thank you very much, choir. You must, he's the king of glory. 24 said, The king cometh. Who is this king? He's the king of glory. So lift up your hands, all ancients. Lift up your hands. This is the king we're talking about. You must get to know him personally or you'll be disappointed publicly. The crowd didn't get to know this king. They thought it was just like King Alexandra. They thought it was like another form of Caesar. They, they thought his strategies and methods were where all the kings use. He needs to bomb people to, to no, no, this king is different. So that is why you must get to know this king. If you don't know this king, you can shout Hosanna, but by Thursday you will shout crucify him. Even some of you by Monday, you say forget about this king because you don't know him. When we miss who this king is, our worship is tainted and tarnished by pretense. I'm telling you, the crowd who were making the noise, many of them did not understand because they were looking for an immediate relief. When we come to church and we are praising and worshiping, what is it about? Is it about immediate need merit? Or some of you who can worship, is it because you were bounced? The contract, the visa, the opportunity to do the things you wanted to do. Our praise must go beyond what we get and what we don't get to know who the king is. Hello? Bible says, and the crowd praise him because of works he has done among them. What they saw, the works. Bible says the people of Israel knew the, the works of God, the acts of God. But Moses knew the ways of God. Oh, that today we will move from the crowd to be the disciple who understands the way, the way of God, the way of God. Without a king, the church service is a charade. The prayer becomes a performance and our fasting will turn into another religious show. If this king is not in the picture, it's a starvation we are causing ourselves. Perhaps we may lose a couple of pounds and pick it up after the fasting. But there's something more better than that. How do we get ready for the skin? So Bible says, then they brought the coat to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the coat. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise. The disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. For all the mighty works they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. This is a very prophetic statement from Zechariah. You know, sometimes it's possible to say a prophetic thing without understanding, and it doesn't affect you. It's possible to be in a prophetic meeting and receive a prophecy, very personal, authentic prophet, but it won't work because you have no understanding. You don't know how to work it. These people didn't understand. I can bet many of them. Sometimes by my little learning, I even feel the disciples with Jesus didn't understand the whole process. They didn't. They didn't. And somehow we come to Palm Sunday, we enter into Passion Week and we think it's another religious week just to watch a movie of Jesus being crucified and weep a little and the next day we go back to our old ways. No. This must bring us to a place. How do we get ready? That's the process. A heart of service. A heart of service. That people were ready to get a coat. You know the coat had an owner and he asked them, who on what authority are you taking? He said, the Lord has a need of it. Today, the question I'm asking you of how to get ready for the king is, what has the Lord need of it in your house? 
in your work, in your life. Imagine that we thought of our work as a pulpit. We see the world as our mission field. Don't you think corruption will lose its essence on our road in and out offices? Sometimes we think our work is secular. And when we come to church, we have come to a sacred place. So there is this dichotomy of what is sacred and what is secular. And that's why we miss it. At this place of the cane, we were meeting. That, that was where everything, all the sacred met the secular. And it's found in Christ. So when we say Jesus is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega, what we mean is that whatever started and you thought it was out of God, finds its meaning in Christ. Whatever the Old Testament talked about was just a type and a shadow of who Christ is. And it calls us into service. This is how we get ready for the king. Service. So ask yourself, what, what, how do you serve? And anytime I talk about service, please, and hear me well, I'm not limiting it to church. If our service ends in church, and so we give a bad service or bad customer service or bad service in our workplaces, we lose the essence of who Christ has come to do. Service starts from here and it doesn't end here. It continues to our homes. Oh, am I talking to some husbands in the house? Husbands who don't serve at home. Today I'm talking to you. Hello? It's not a nice sermon. Don't get aiming for things like this because I'm touching on a cultural nerve. The culture nerve says that men don't do anything. They sit around, go to work, bring the money, everything is done. But it's changed. Maybe our fathers enjoyed it, but our generation has changed it. Our mothers are working. Our sisters are working. And so we come home and then the family works together. Hello? So I, I'm just talking about service that doesn't end in church. Service that is good service is everywhere. So we help take care of our kids together. It's okay. It's not only the mothers that should go to PTA. The men too can go for PTA. I'm telling you, why, is that? why are you try cooking for your spouse, your wife? You see how different... I'm encouraging you. Service! But you see, it was not just service. It was about gratitude. That's how we prepare for the king. Gratitude. You see, people who lose on gratitude have a sense of entitlement. And we saw that in the story in Luke chapter 17, about 10 people that were healed. The nine of them were Jews. They felt entitled to healing. After all, Jesus said, healing is the bread of the children. But the Samaritan didn't feel entitled. You checked. It was a Samaritan. He said, we don't know 10 people. Why this Samaritan? Only you come back to thank me. So your faith has made you well. Gratitude is what allows you to see everything happening to you now that you are not alone. That even if it's difficult, God is with you. Hello? Gratitude. No, that we will raise a new generation of gratitude. So there's something that I've taught my daughter I like to share often. Because I realized she was getting entitled. Because I didn't sit in a car going to school. My mother is here today. Today she's in this service. I don't think my mother drove me to school ever. And I didn't have a father growing up. I had a stepfather who came in the picture, but I don't think he ever drove me to school. So now I'm driving my daughter's school. Sometimes maybe I'll be late for a meeting. I come, oh, why didn't you come in my school? I say, hey, shut up. What you do first when you meet me is thank you, daddy, for picking me up. That's all you have to say. And if afterwards, if you have a complaint, you can bring your complaint. I listen. But you must start with gratitude. We do it every day. So when he sits, he says, are you for, oh, clap for Jesus. 
Let's teach the generation how to be grateful because we are raising a new generation of children. They call them X, Y, Z generation. Millennials who don't know how to be appreciated. When I cook for you in the morning, the first thing before you taste and ask what was food, first thing I want to hear is, Daddy, thank you for breakfast. Before you complain, I wanted oats, but you gave me conflicts. No. It doesn't happen in my house anymore. It used to. This is what I have. This is what I've given you. Thank you for breakfast. Thank you for lunch. Thank you. Attitude of gratitude. I'm telling you, this church, I'm coming somewhere. This is a church we find many people feel entitled. I'm a pastor here, so I want to say it. Nobody's going to tell you. Do you know why we feel entitled? We feel entitled that we have a senior pastor. And he must be there and do everything as we want. We have deacons. That what they are doing is what... They have accepted to do, so they are doing their work. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. If you have a senior pastor who has served this long, we must be grateful to God for him and thank him. Some churches, the pastors themselves don't want to stay there. And Calvary Baptist is not an easy church either to pastor for 30 years. I don't think I, I'm standing here, I can pastor this church for 30 years. I'm being honest. God may grant grace, but it's not easy in this church. As of now, I'm standing here. The scaffold know that I'm looking for a way out. And she's praying for me. It's not easy to pastor this church, oh. Uh, it was a prayer I was praying. I've prayed about it for some time. That's what the man was saying on Friday. Yeah. So uh, it's not easy. Sometimes a little gratitude to our pastors. Yes, I know your, your offerings pay them. I know your tithe will pay. But sometimes it's, it's a mindset of appreciating what they do. Other pastors don't go above and beyond. They just do the, what they do. But pastors in Calvary, I'm not just talking about Shashi, in Calvary baptisms, they do more. And it's not because Sebio, they don't have other places to pastor. This is where God has called us. We want to do it. But sometimes with a little gratitude. And I know some of you, individually, you do them. Oh, I know. I'm not saying all. But sometimes when you hear some of the words about senior pastor, me as a pastor, me say, aha, to be senior pastor. The things they say about my papa, I'm scared. I am not exaggerating. Some of you hear them. You know it. I don't know when I on his birthday you wrote a note to Papa, thank you for serving this church. Other churches, they even tell people to bring birthday gift to their pastor. We don't do any of these things here. End of the year, Mama John will tell you, some people will bring a big card. There's nothing even inside a card. To so our pastor who has pastored you, all I'm asking is, can we be grateful to God? Can we be grateful to the people who serve us? Look, some of you, you haven't done this. I'm going to let you try. Every month when the salary comes, send a message to your boss. If you can write a note, say, thank you, sir, for letting me work with you. I don't think you have sent a thank you note to your boss because you feel entitled to your salary. That is how the world thinks. There are people who are working, their salaries haven't come two, three months. They are still working. Your salary comes every month and you think your boss owes you your salary so you can't thank him. Hello? And you see, because you can't thank your boss, that's why it's difficult to thank God. Because God, you don't see. And you feel it is his right to provide you son. It is God's right or God's responsibility. That's right. To give you breath. So sorry, Anapa. Okay, right. That's why you went home. Why are you here? That's it. Hey! You can't spend five minutes to thank God. And that's our life. Today, I'm staying here because I'm almost done. You know I'm doing four P's. I'm on my third P. And Pastor Fais, help me. If I have five minutes, I'll come to the last one and I'll be done. But I, I took this and I highlighted the three things. Because for me, it's, it's the crust of my message. A heart of service, 
a heart of gratitude. Thank God for your parents. I know some of you have said, oh, my, my parents know I'm grateful. But can you imagine, anytime you get promotion, anytime something happens in your life, go back to your parents for the investment they make for you to be able to have qualified for the promotion at the office. When, when the salary increase come, remember to send something small. And say, ah, for this little that has come, mommy, I thank you, daddy, if they are alive. If they are not alive, sometimes you can find a father figure. Say, I'm thanking my father. He's not here, but you are the uncle, you are the brother, you are his friend. I want to give you this little seed to appreciate that if my father was alive, I would have done it. Hello? Gratitude! If this nation has some sense of gratitude, if the church begin to have gratitude, if your children had gratitude, I'm telling you, a lot of complaints will stop. We will see things differently. That people were not grateful that God has sent his son for them. And that's what the Pharisees were. They were worried much about what will people say than what has happened. It says, your eyes have blinded. And so after 40 verse 40, 41, Jesus started to weep over Jerusalem. He says, you don't know the time and the season you are in. The last of all was heart of worship. Worship. He said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's worship. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Worship. You see, worship is not just what we do on Sunday. Worship is not about singing a cool song, like we said. If the song, the, the temple goes slow, it's worship. No, no. It's part of worship. But our lives are worship. See, worship is anything we do that brings glory to God. Anything that exalts God at the office. Anything that people can point to your home and say, ah, I thank God how you are parenting your children. How you people, you know, look at for each other is worship. Worship is so huge. So when I'm using the hands to talk about the five purposes, I think it was Rick Warren who used first. Kokromiti. We understand Kokromiti better than them because they don't say, untumim pa kokromiti hun Worship is like your thumb. It's, it's like everything. Worship. Heart of worship. Let's finish it, preacher. So what must come when we get ready for the king? This is what I saw as outcomes from the passage. Number one, disciples served. They were able to find what the king needs, brought the coat, and many of them brought their clothes and they put it down there. On this Palm Sunday, I'm thinking if you're a disciple of Christ, think of service. When I talk about service, I'm, once again, I'm reminding you, it's not only in church. It's in church, but it's not only in church. If you sell at the shop, what you do is service. If you work in an office, what you're doing at is service. Those of you doing national service, where you don't take the service seriously because you think the government is pretending to pay you. So you're also pretending to work. It's still service. Hey, I'm talking to some national service persons. The coat, the coat, the coat was honored. You see, anything we make available for God's service, like the coat, is honored. That coat, I think I had a story or a joke, and says that the next day on Monday, the coat found himself walking in Jerusalem. Nobody minded it. Say, ah! Ah, I said, was that not the same coat that people were putting cloth on the, me, I, I didn't even walk on the ground. And they said, boy, if Jesus is not sitting on you, can you continue that story for me? You are nobody. You are nothing. The coat. And I'm telling you, many pastors, we are cold. Without Jesus, we are nothing. And you, without Jesus, I don't know where you'll be. I know some of you pretty come from good families and good backgrounds. By the code. Think about it. The outcome of why we prepare for the king is that what we make available to the king is honored. If you make your vessels available to God, it will be honored. 
If it's your home for sheepfold, it's your money you use it to honor God or put, put into God's service, it will be honored. Your finances will be honored. If you're faithful and you're tight, God has to honor it. Hello? Somebody has, why do we talk about tight offering? Because for me, my understanding is when we take that little from the lot, 10% or whatever percentage God puts on your heart, and we bring the rest is committed to the Lord. It's honored. The crowd celebrated. You see, when we get to a deeper understanding, the celebration was not wrong. It was right. It was appropriate for a king entering Jerusalem. Jerusalem has both prophetic and humanitical position. Anytime we're looking at Jesus' story, like we say, the whole story of creation will start from a garden, but somehow it ends in the city of a new Jerusalem. So Jerusalem matters to everybody, even to the Arabs. So there's always a contention of Jerusalem. But I want you to understand this, that the crowd celebration was appropriate. What was shocking is that they didn't understand why they were celebrating. But let me also finish here and talk about the Pharisees. I think my time is up. I've been notified. The Pharisees were incensed. Do you know why people get angry when you succeed? Or there are people who are not happy because you're promoted or you're married or you have children or things are going well. Or they hear any celebration that, oh, you just completed a course. Oh, the mission was successful in Boku. Mama, do you know there were people being sensed in their heart? Because they are worried about themselves. Insecurity make people incensed about you. When you see people incensed about your success, please don't respond with anger. Respond with graciousness. Because they are worried. Look, the Pharisees, all their concern was how insecure they were that why Jesus does this, it means that Caesar and whatever is happening in Rome and Pilate are going to get more angry and deal with them. So they were worried that, please, if you want to come as a king, do it quietly like the way you've been entering Jerusalem in the past. Don't do any triumphant things. We are not, tell them to keep quiet. Even if they are, and Jesus said, if they shut up the stones. No, anytime we think about the Pharisees, it gives us a certain picture. And today I want us to think that sometimes when we feel whatever is happening in church, oh, it shouldn't happen or it doesn't matter to us. What happened is that God will always use other people. God, God said, if you shut these people down and all these people decide not to celebrate, God will use other methods. God has always better plans. It's a privilege that he uses us. It's a privilege that he calls us into. So what should be your response from this message as I wrap up? My last slide. Ready to meet the king. Depend on where you stand with the king. You may choose today to serve or celebrate or resist the king. It's a choice I want us to make today. Are you ready for the second coming of Jesus? He won't come in like, you know, on a court. He's coming now as a ruler of all things. The judge of the earth. A just judge. What are you doing to be ready for this king? Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Just talk to God. Have a right response to success of people around you. Don't be a Pharisee. Don't even just be the crowd. Be a disciple. Understand what is happening and serve God's purposes. Celebrate with others. Celebrate Jesus. Palm Sunday. A heart that serves. A heart that is grateful. A heart that worships. 
for me is the center of my message. That is, these things can change in us on Palm Sunday and allow us to enter the Passion Week with some level of humility, knowing that God is King. Will you talk with God wherever you are?